Georgia? Georgia. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. That's, uh, actually, that's where Hope originated. Apparently. Johnny, do me a favor. Can you go with my this here if I left my glasses on more? <laughs> I mean, I can see, but I, I like to see better. They might just be laying there because I can't find them in here. So, uh, okay, well, we're going to have a, hopefully a little bit of fun in the Word of God today. Um, an amazing book. Well, we're going to be in Isaiah chapter 49. In Isaiah chapter 49, we're going to go with verses uh, 14, hopefully to 18. And uh, as much as I enjoy all the all the happy verses that are found in Scripture, there are sometimes you come across some difficult passages. And there's sometimes you come across some difficult topics. And uh, so, what, here we go. Look at that. Thank you. So, uh, so, so, we'll see what happens. Um, I can only share with you from what I have meditated on and what I've studied. And uh, my goal is to always to guide you to the throne of grace that's spoken about in Hebrews chapter 4. And uh, the Lord, this is his book, and he wrote it, and all the answers are clear to him. Because he knew what he was writing. For us, he made it that way, so we're dependent upon him. Because in our sin nature, we are very proud. And uh, I see that hand, brother. Yes. Yes. Uh, what's the chapter and verse again? Uh, it's going to be Isaiah chapter 49, verses 14 to 18. So, Doug, since you raised your hand, if you don't mind asking God's blessing on the book today, certainly appreciate it. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this time that, that we're sharing and having and enjoying and meditating and uh, enjoying the scriptures today, Lord God. I just thank uh, Thank you that, that that we take these the scripture and we write it on our hearts and uh, meditate on it day and night. And anyhow, we just thank you for this time and we thank you for uh, for uh, John. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen and amen. So uh, I like to collect humor <laughs> as I go along. And uh, since we have a thing here at BBF on coffee and tea, <laughs> I thought I'd share just a little one for you. There's a, some form of Mexican restaurant in Texas that puts humor out every single day. So somebody goes around and snaps all the pictures and puts them on the internet. Some of them are quite hilarious. And uh, so... Uh, I'd like to share one with you here. It says, uh, ran out of coffee this morning, so I used tequila. Wow. Everyone is so pretty today. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so, uh, that's 
that's what you call being filled with the spirits. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, for those here at BBF, don't worry, you'll not run out of coffee. Amen. I'm sure Pastor Miller has a stack at his house. I got a stack at ours. Oh, me. <laughs> yeah, we're we're good. If we had a siege, we still would not run out of coffee for a year. I More tea at our house. <laughs> so, I've got uh, so much tea. So at any rate, though, let's go ahead and uh, take a look at Isaiah um, chapter forty-nine, and uh, we'll go fourteen to eighteen. I'll do the even. I'll let you guys read along with the odd. Starting with verse 14. But Zion said, The Lord hath forsaken me, and my Lord hath forgotten me. Can a woman forget her sucking child, that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yea, they may forget, yet will I not forget thee. Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. Thy walls are continually before me. Thy children shall make haste. Thy destroyers and they that made thee waste shall go forth of thee. <coughs> Lift up thine eyes round about, and behold, all these gather themselves together and come to thee. As I live, saith the Lord, thou shalt surely clothe thee with them all as with an ornament, and bind them on thee as a bride doeth. Amen, amen. and amen. Um, let's try to keep in context here. Um, the outline that I uh, gave you for several weeks ago, verses 1 and 2 is the call of the Messiah. Verse 3 and 4, the Messiah serves the Lord. Verse 5 and 6, the Messiah blesses Israel and the Gentiles. 7 to 13, the Messiah's ministry glorifies God. 14 to 18, the Lord proclaims his love and faithfulness to Zion. And then of course, 19 to 26, the Lord affirms, the Lord affirms his blessings for Zion. So, uh, praise the Lord and shame on the devil. As we are discussing the children of Israel here, you have to remember they've been in captivity, according to this portion of scripture, 70 years. 70 years they've been in captivity. And uh, they've been under the Babylonians. And uh, if you get a chance, study the Babylonians and uh, study what they did, study what they did to the people that they enslaved. Uh, it is not fun at all, but you need to understand the pain and the sorrow these people were going through. And the reason they were going through it was because of their sins. Um, as, as I've been studying Isaiah, I can tell you clearly right now, you need to understand the first five books of the Bible. The first five books of the Bible outlines the remainder of the books all the way up to Revelation. Everything you find everywhere else is always projecting back and projecting back uh, to those five books. Those five books are, are very important. 
And uh, as you uh, may know from the teaching of the Word of God here, when the Antichrist shows up, the Ten Commandments, the Covenant, will be affirmed for Israel. And uh, we all know about the second return of Christ. I am working on a gospel track on the return of Moses. People don't think about that one, but he's coming too. And he's connected with the Ten Commandments. It's going to be a fascinating track when it's finished. And, uh, and I think what Pastor Miller shared to Micah about the mountains being destroyed will possibly make its way into it. Fascinating, fascinating. And of course, the third person returning is Elijah. Good old Elijah. Um, you guys, I'll have a little bit of fun with scripture. Elijah just happens to be the oldest man in the universe. <laughs> okay, we're not saying on the earth. <laughs> okay, the oldest man on the earth was Methuselah, 969 years. Uh, my estimate is Elijah is somewhere over 2,700. <laughs> somewhere around that time frame. But if you guys want to get Usher's data chronology, you could probably come down to the year. Okay? That is how old that guy is. And unfortunately for him, he was under the juniper tree, and he prayed for God to kill him after he had his battle with Jezebel. And uh, unknown to him, that prayer is going to come true. And he comes back in the book of Revelation and gets beheaded. What a so, way to go. What a way to go. So uh, I would hate to be in heaven going, I'm going to be beheaded. He said 2,700 years to think about it. I'm sure that's, that's quite, a, quite a topic for him to think about up there. And it won't be long. It will not be long when he returns. So as we take a look in here, um, um, let's take a look at in Isaiah 49:24. Remember, they've been in they've been in captivity 70 years. They have no hope. And here's what they say in verse 24: "Shall the prey be taken? That's them from the mighty. That's Babylon." Or the lawful captive delivered. Seventy years shall we be delivered from Babylon. Seventy, guys, is another great number to study in Scripture. Uh, you probably find it connected with generations. All right? They've had a whole line of children born and brought up that have never known Jerusalem. That have never seen the splendor of God's mercy and grace upon Israel. All they've seen is hard times. Uh, they probably slept in hard places. Uh, they did not probably have good food during that 70 years of captivity. And so they're at point. And you know, and that happens with us sometimes. We go through problems, we go through difficulties, and we wonder, is there any deliverance? Is there any deliverance at all? And look how God responds in verse 25. But thus saith the Lord, even the captives of the mighty, the mighty again, Babylon, shall be taken away, and the prey of the terrible shall be delivered. For I will contend with him that contendeth with thee, and I will save thy children. And I will feed them that oppress thee with their own flesh, and they shall be drunken with their own blood. 
as with sweet wine. And all flesh shall know that I am, that I, the Lord, am thy Savior, and thy Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. You're telling them right there. And so that answers the question when we come to verse 14. But Zion said, The Lord hath forsaken me, and my Lord hath forgotten me. And he said, No, I haven't. I made you guys a promise, and I'm going to carry it out. And when you studied the promises that God made Israel, he actually made it to himself in the form of Christ. It's uh, fascinating when you study that portion of Scripture. If you take a look here in verse 14, the Lord hath forsaken me. Um, a few of these scriptures I'm just going to remark to you because you're already familiar with them. Hebrews 13:5, where the Lord says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Uh, for the 15 years that I taught Sunday school for second and third graders, when I had the opportunity to lead them to the Lord, I would have them pick up their hand. And I would have them quote that verse. I will never leave thee. And then I would personalize it for them and I'd have them put their name in it. I will never leave David. I will never leave Chuck. I will never leave Mary. I had to put the name in it. Whatever I could in the scripture lessons, I would teach that also in the scripture lessons, not just to those that were saved, but for the students themselves. Because I did not want them to have any form of doubt whatsoever if they were trusting Christ as Savior. Yes. Yeah, when I when I had those uh, some people that I was helping through problems and they didn't didn't believe that and and and, and hard times hit, it you know, it was a train wreck. Oh, yeah. you're just uh, God. God loved me. He, he's not doing anything for me. And yeah, and then they go back out in the world. Yeah, I had I dealt with that when I was first saved. But yeah, it uh, dawned on me <coughs> back to my grade school teaching. Uh, I had heard that verse. I would never leave here for safety. Yeah, for safety. But it was revealed to me that he didn't forsake me. I forsook him. Amen. Yeah, Amen. yeah. That's exactly what happened with Israel. I don't know about you, but uh, I really don't want to be here when America totally collapses to the enemy. Because I can't tell you how many Christians are going to cry out and say, God's forsaken us. God did not protect us. And uh, and, and guys, uh, I'm sorry, but it's our own sins. You look at what they're really teaching in all the churches, and it just blows me away. Because they're not teaching the book. They're not teaching the book. Um, just to have you a chance to know the heart of God. <coughs> And the heart of some of the people in Scripture. All right, uh, you guys are already familiar with uh, Psalm 22. All right, in Psalm 22, the people that are in captivity had Psalm 22 before they went into captivity, and all of Psalm 22 has to deal with Christ dying on the cross for our sins. Now, at that time, they would not have known that was Christ dying on the cross for their sins, but Look what David is saying as the psalmist. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? They had First and Second Samuel, First and Second Chronicles. They had the life of David. They could see where David had all those doubts and all those fears of God working in his life. All right? 
My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And here they are saying, God's forsaken us. No, they should have been in the book. They should have been in the book. And guys, that's where we should be before our troubles. Um, there's a verse out of Psalm 119. Uh, before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now have I kept thy word. <laughs> I cringe every time I read that. Because I don't want to be afflicted and say, oh, I should, have been re I should have been obeying the book. Now have I kept thy word. If he had kept the word, he would have been afflicted. All right? In my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. Yeah. So that's interesting when you start comparing scripture with scripture. So that that deals with that. Um, What's the reference? Course, Christ quotes that in Matthew 27, 46. So that's your New Testament comparison for that verse out of Psalm 22. Um, and then you have Joseph. Um, let's take a look at Psalm 105. Let's see if someone will get Psalm 105, uh, verses 17 to 22. Yeah, Psalm 105. Okay, I volunteer. There he is. Yeah, Psalm 105, verses uh, 17 to 22. Psalm 105, verses 17 to 22. He sent a man before them, even Joseph, who is sold for a servant, whose feet they hurt with fetters. He was laid in iron. Until the time that his word came, the word of the Lord tried him. The king sent and loosed him, even the ruler of the people, and let him go free. He made him lord of his house and ruler of all his substance. Amen. Good enough. The, uh, if you notice, Joseph was in prison. Um, if you compare scripture with scripture, you find out he was approximately in prison for probably close to 13 years. At the end of 11 years, he had an opportunity to get out because he had uh, this one dream, and the guy that was supposed to tell the king about his dream forgot about it. Now, I don't know about you, but that double despair. And, and it said the irons hurt his feet. I can't imagine going through 13 years with irons on my feet that hurt every single day. And it says during that 13 years, the Lord, the word of the Lord tried him. Guys, we're going to go through trials, and we're going to be tried by the word of God to see whether or not we're going to stay faithful to him. And, uh, and I, I, I tell people this, I'm a, uh, uh, let's see. I'm a Baptist by profession, but I'm a Christian by faith. All right? I'm a Christian by faith. And when the Baptist heads south, don't look for me. <laughs> In other words, when they depart from the Word of God, and there's so many of them that have departed when, from the Word of God. They say, what do you mean when they depart? That yeah. <laughs> that, well, that's true, too. Um, yeah, you'll crack up. When I first started working for Genoa back in 2002, there were 31,000 uh, churches in the Southern Baptist Convention. 28,000 still had a King James Bible in the pulpit. Not true today. Not at all. 
Not true today. Uh, they started playing around with their own Bible in 1996, the Holman Standard Bible. And by 2004, every statistic that was going up in 2004, every statistic started dropping. God's not going to bless a book he didn't write, guys. They sold 20 million of those. Yeah. Money. Uh, let's, I think it's Ecclesiastes 4.19. Money answereth all things. Take the Lord for it. Uh, that's why I like uh, Naboth. He refused to sell his inheritance. Refused. I like Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They refused to bow down. And uh, there are some great sermons on those if you can find them. And uh, it should be a joy to your heart. But here's Joseph in prison. He could have had doubts and fears that 13 years. But what did the Lord do with them at the end of 13 years? He's the number two ruler in all Egypt. And remember, it was the butler who did eventually. Eventually, yeah. He's forgotten until the time was right. Yeah, exactly. If he had come out two years earlier, he would not have been made number two in the land. Right. He would not have been a picture of Christ saving the people from the famine that was coming. God has his timing, guys. He has his timing. And in the meantime, while you're waiting on him, develop the character of Christ in your heart. Amen. Develop the, that's what you're supposed to do. Be in the book. Read. Meditate. Um, we also have John the Baptist. So I'll just give you a couple of scripture references on him. Um, in Matthew, I think chapter 11, verses 2 and 3. Um, he's in prison. He's the forerunner to announce Christ. He announced him in John 1.29, Behold the Lamb of God. Christ was also his cousin. <laughs> Imagine that, his cousin. All right? In Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 and 17, he was the one that baptized him. It was his job to uh, make him known to Israel that this is the Messiah. And so when we come to Matthew chapter 11, verses 2 and 3, he's going, uh, are you really the Messiah or do we look for somebody else? Do we look for somebody else? All right? When you're in prison for a long time, when you're going through a bad situation for a long time, you have doubts and fears. Now, I'm trying, just trying to share with you. Get in the book. Get in the book. Don't leave the Lord. He knows what he's doing. We don't. But if we're in the book, we can start figuring out what he's doing. And, and that is the most important part. Um, uh, and there's something else i got to share with you. I'm, I, I'll call this food for thought, but uh, I think it's a golden nugget. Because it, it really has me thinking somewhat. Staying in the same chapter, staying in the same chapter, Isaiah 49, verse 7. Uh, it reads this, Thus saith the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel, and His Holy One, Again, uh, making a reference to Messiah. To him whom man despises, to him whom the nation abhorreth, to a servant of rulers, 
king shall see and arise. Princesses also shall worship, because of the Lord that is faithful, and the Holy One of Israel, and he shall choose thee. He shall choose thee. We've already shared out of the book of Romans. How does God choose people? Through the preaching of the gospel of Christ. When the gospel of Christ is preached, and someone hears it, and wants to get saved, at that point, they are they're, they are, are chosen. When they want to get saved, at that point, they're chosen. All right? It comes to the preaching of the gospel of Christ. Uh, I guess the way the book of Romans calls it, he that calls. It's not based on works. God is calling. And when he calls and you respond, at that point, you're chosen. All right? Now, um, I'm doing some meditation on here. We find in Genesis chapter 12, 1 to 3. I'll just give the references. That is the Ur of the Chaldees. There's a guy there called Abram. And God calls him to leave the land of the Ur of the Chaldees. I, uh, I noticed that he doesn't get saved until he's in the promised land. Fascinating. When he leaves the Ur of the Chaldees, he leaves with his father, and he lives with, uh, with Lot, all right? And they go to a place called Haran, and that's located in Genesis chapter 12, verses 4 and 5. Now, one of the things I found out in studying this, in Joshua 24, 2, Joshua's making a reference to the false gods that Abram's ancestors were worshiping. So I did a little more study, and I found out that the earth Chaldees and Haran, where they went to, the biggest cult was the moon god. The moon god. And guys, the moon god is still running around today. Uh, in fact, over a billion people worship the moon god. Gigantic, right? Muslims. They worship the moon god. All right? Uh, this moon god, they called was Sin. <coughs> Fascinating. He's called out of the earth Chaldees. He obeyed. He's called out of Haran and comes down to the promised land. And then in Genesis chapter 15, 4 to 6, that's when God reveals his salvation to him, and Abraham gets saved. And this is documented for us in Romans 4, 3, Galatians 3, 6, and James 2, 23. Um, one of the things that this gives me, I think there's a few times in my life that I have missed God's call. And... Uh, if you notice when God was calling Moses, Moses says, well, I can't talk. I can't talk. We give God all sorts of excuses. God is not looking for excuses. He's just looking for obedience. All right? One of my favorite stories for George Mueller. George Mueller had an orphanage. And quite often they needed food that he could not supply. So they would call upon God. And there's all sorts of miracle ways God supplied food. So if you get any books on George Mueller, they'll bless, they'll bless your heart. All right? One night in England, in, I think, Bristol, 2 o'clock in the morning, an unsaved uh, shopkeeper had food, was woken up by God at 2 in the morning. And the Lord says, George Mueller needs two wagons of food. How about that? I don't know about you, but 2 o'clock in the morning? And so 
What does this guy do? He calls all his work hands at 2 in the morning. So somewhere between, you know, 2 and 6 or whatever, he loads up the two wagons and brings them to George Mueller and says, I don't know why, but God says you need food. Here it is. A week later, he got saved. Fascinating. And so I just want to encourage you and, and anyone else on the line that might be listening, listen for the calling of God. It may be something simple. It could be something stupid. But he's going to call, and, and it's not based on our talents, guys. It's based on our obedience to his word. And we don't know how gigantic. Uh, when the Lord, the night before he was crucified, he was in Jerusalem weeping. And he says, you guys just don't know what I have in store for you. But you've rejected salvation. I'm going to give it to somebody else. Israel has no idea what they lost during that 40 years before Titus came in. Um, I do not want to be in a rocking chair wondering what God had in store for me. Yeah. I know a lady who was in um, a meeting where they were having an open discussion, and someone said, you know, uh, when you have that prompting to do something for the Lord, how do you know it's of the Lord? And this elderly lady said, well, obviously, number one, it never goes against his word. Exactly. And number two, or then the woman says, but what if you, if it doesn't go against his word, but you try to do it and it doesn't work out? She says, uh, God knows you tried. Yeah. You know, and then there's all those other times where you follow that prompting and God uses it. So, you know, maybe uh, she even said maybe it was a test to see if you'd quit on him. You know, if yeah. he called you to do something, we're just supposed to be obedient. Case in point is Abraham. And Isaac. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of examples in the scripture. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The main thing is uh, uh, don't be afraid to do something just because you think it might not work out. As long as it's not going against God's word, then uh, just do it. Yeah. And I, I'll tell you this one of the, one of the funny things in the our early part of the marriage. Um, one time I was prompted to give an X amount of money to the Lord as far as in the offering. And uh, it was, I think, above tithes. And uh, so I looked at the checkbook and I thought, well, we can handle it. Okay. Well, a few weeks later, I was bound in the checkbook and found out it was the exact opposite. <laughs> we could not handle it. <laughs> okay. So uh, the, the question that would advance to my mind is, had I not made that mistake, would I have given it? Anyway. All right? And just so you know, uh, back in the early days, the Lord did all sorts of things for uh, getting us money. Uh, we were down at my dad's one time in West Virginia. Uh, we were down there for a few days, and uh, uh, we were visiting the sites down there, and there was a city called Cameron, just a little rinky-dinky city. And my dad said, go out in the field here and snap a picture of it. Um, I had like a dollar forty-nine cents left. <laughs> and we are supposed to be heading back to Columbus, you know, another 150 miles. So I walk out in the field, I look down, there's a $20 bill in West Virginia, in the middle of a field, all right? Uh, one time at McDonald's, when I used to work there, they asked me to be Grimace. That brought in another 20. Uh, so you know, I was Grimace, guys. All right. Yay. So, but uh, 
Yeah, one time Joe cleaned off the uh, the seal, I, I guess the doorway of McDonald's, and one of the higher ups at McDonald's came to and gave her and that another ten or twenty. Yeah, something like that. So guys, the Lord he he can abound. He can abound. Just be faithful. And if you notice, in, I think Thessalonians, uh, they gave they gave out of their poverty. And uh, I did find out when I was working at, at, at Genoa, guys. And I'll tell you this: uh, I never saw a church like that that gave away so much. All right. And so that was one of the secrets why you don't see that church collapsing or failing, because every time they gave, God gave them back more. All right. There was a church that. Uh, got flooded down uh, along uh, the Howe River down near near Marietta. They sent a whole crew down there to fix the plumbing and to fix electricity and put a new roof on for them. All right? Um, I've seen them give away chandeliers. I've, I've seen them give away pews. I've seen them give away all sorts of things. And they never lacked for money. Never. Uh, the new high school that they're building will be open in... Uh, Lord willing, September this year. Already bought and paid for it. They don't know a dime on it. I, just, I do want to say one thing. Uh, uh, there are some churches who give a lot of things away, but you know it. Yeah. They may, And that, that then eventually will destroy their church. Oh, yeah. Because it leads to pride. It leads to carnality. Yes. And a lot of the churches you and I know, Back in the 70s and 80s, were the biggest churches in the country. Have some of them totally disappeared? Oh, now. totally gone. And it's because it was such carnality and bragging and boasting. And out. instead of just doing the work and letting God get the glory, and then they'll get rewarded heaven, as Jesus said, they had their reward. Oh yeah. But it also produced carnality and pride and everything, and it's destroyed their church. Oh, well, just like Nebuchadnezzar. Mm -hmm. Well, look at this look great kingdom I, I built. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <coughs> that's a, that's a great reminder. That that is a hundred percent true. Yeah, that's a hundred percent true. You got to give a lawn more eating grass out there. <laughs> yeah, Nebuchadnezzar lawnmower. <laughs> so uh, let's take a look at the again fourteen, and uh, says the uh, the Lord has forgotten me. The answer for that is in verse 15. Can a woman forget her second child that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yea, they may forget. Yet will I not forget thee. Um, I would like to tell you on this, can a woman forget her second child? I, I would never would have believed in my lifetime that that would be true here in America. And you take a look at the rich heritage America has had with families and children. I never would have thought that would have happened. Um, one of the things that happened in the early 80s, I believe it was Channel 6. They actually hired a lady. Um, I won't mention the last name, but her name was Michelle. She left her husband with four kids in Cleveland. Left them. And she gets hired to Channel 6 to tell everybody the news. Not only top of that, she was the first anchor person in Columbus, Ohio, to take the Lord's name in vain on the cast. <laughs> that brought a, a lot of rep, okay? Not only forgot the kids, but took the Lord's name in vain. 
right. I'm not going to develop this verse too, too much more than that. It's 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 uh it's too much sorrow. Um, my mom left when I was age twelve. All right. My sister was ten. My brother was five. All right. We didn't have a mother for the rest of the time growing up. All right. How many other families are like that? Yeah. Guys, it's no fun. Um, and I could tell you other horror stories. That's why I try to go in the direction I'm going in. I don't want to see families destroyed. I don't want to see people divorced. That's why I do some of the things I do. Uh, yes? Just specifically with the woman and the, and the nursing child, as with like any animal or you know nursing your child, the the mom will get increasingly physically uncomfortable if her child is kept from her for too long. She will go finding the child. Just like the cows too. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 As I said, the balance on this verse then comes to the men. <laughs> okay, and you go to Malachi on that one. Uh, because they were putting their wives away. Same thing with, uh, you find it, I think, in Matthew 18. I think you find it in Deuteronomy, maybe 24, about writing a, the writing of divorcement. And that's coming from the men. So, I think, guys, it works both ways. It works both ways. And you have to go clear back again to Genesis chapter, chapter 1. The image of God, guys, is not the image of man. <laughs> Male and female created the um, in the image of God. That's the balance. What a great study that should be. All right, and I, I'm working on notes on that. I'm working on it. Out of all the tracks I've done, my marriage gospel track is the least favorite. <laughs> I can't give them away. <laughs> There's something wrong with this country, okay? There's something wrong with Columbus, Ohio. And praise the Lord, we have the gospel of Christ. But that's what the answer is. Let's take a look at Psalm 77. I want to show you a nugget in there. Psalm, again, the Jews had Psalm 77 before they went into captivity. Um, we'll go with uh, just 7, 739. Um, and you're studying the whole book of Psalm 77 and the whole book of Psalm 78 deals with verse 14 of Isaiah 49. But here's the verse here. Would the Lord cast off forever, and will he be favorable no more? Again, this is what the children of Israel would be asking when they're, you know, when they're stuck. Is his mercy clean gone forever? Doth the promise fail forevermore? Hath God forgotten to be gracious? Hath he in anger sought up his tender mercies? Selah. And, uh, and the answer is no. Their answer is no. He will not forget. Um, let's see.
it's uh, there's something else I wanted to share with you in there, but apparently I didn't mark it down. But uh, oh, Psalm 137. Let's go to Psalm 137. My fault. I did mark it down just just in another part of scripture. Um. Tom Wise, I'm just going to give you uh, verse 1 to show you the context. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down, yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. Okay? 70 years in captivity. That's what their heart is like. But look what God says right in the middle of it, verse 5 and 6. If I forget thee, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget her cunning. If I do not remember thee, let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth, if I prefer not Jerusalem above my chief joy. Right in the middle of it, the Lord interjects his thoughts. Fascinating. Uh, all I can tell you is what a book. What a book. Let's take a look at... Um, back to Isaiah again. Chapter 49. Let's take a look at... Verse 16, Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. Thy walls are continually before me. This is one of my favorite verses. Um, when I was a bachelor, when I was very young in the Lord, I can't tell you how many problems I had. I can't tell you how much loneliness, um, how much despair. I'm like a uh, puzzle piece that doesn't fit in anywhere. <laughs> but here I am today. The Lord is making me fit in. And I praise the Lord for that. But I was just going through so many problems. I even sat down one day and I started writing down everything I thought was a problem. And I stopped at number 79. <laughs> okay? I found the list five years later. And uh, I'd gotten four. <laughs> Still had 75 more to go. All right, had not arrived. So we have over here the new eye-opener track, this very track here. I wrote J.J. Ray, the guy who wrote that track, I wrote him a letter. I wrote him a letter, and I told him some of my struggles. And uh, because I was wondering some of his tracks. Um, I, I bought over 50 of them that I sent to uh, Jerry Fall, Falwell's church. I had a friend there that passed back to all the professors. <laughs> that was a blast, okay? But I sent him a letter, and he sent me a letter back. Um, how to enjoy your problems. Twelve ways. And uh, signed it with his name, and uh, could have been in 14 ways, but it, it was a, not an 8.5 by 11, it was an 8.5 by 14. And uh, I should have brought a copy of it today, but time ran out. But you guys would appreciate reading what he sent me. Strong, man. I'll see him in heaven. He's up there. But he sent me, and this is the verse that was on there, one of the verses. My name is in the palms of God's hands. Now it says here, graven. Um, um, I'd like to tell you as far as this is written way ahead of time. There's a whole lot of scriptures concerning the hands of the Lord whole lot of scriptures. Um, you got about one minute, too. Yeah. <laughs> one minute? One minute. 
Well, let's wait. at least we made it to verse 16, right? Yeah. All right. Um, the walls here, when it talks about the walls are continually about me, that deals with salvation. That's Isaiah 26.1. All right. Um, the hands are mentioned in John chapter 20, verses 27 and 28. He told the one guy, look at my hands. Our names are in the scars where he shed the blood. That's where the names are located, guys. That's what we're going for. Yeah. That's found again in Luke 24, 30 to 31. When he broke the bread, he gave it on the road of Amos. They looked, and what did they see? They saw the palm of the hands. They knew that was Christ, risen again from the dead. And then there's another mention of the hands in Zechariah 13, 6. When he shows up in Revelation 9, or in, in the book of Revelation, chapter 19, they're going to look on him, and they're going to see the wounds in the hands. Yeah. All right? That's what that verse has to deal with. It's a great Bible study all in itself. And uh, I'd like to tell you the... Uh, uh, I think that's probably all the further we'll go. The other... I could knock the others off in two minutes, but we'll just let it go from there. But uh, that's what the word grave is now. Uh, we could go into tattoos. All right? And that is another difficult subject. Uh, but I will tell you this on, uh, uh, as far as the tattoos. When you study tattoos, don't study the Greek. Well, what does the Greek word mean? What does the Hebrew word mean? No, compare scripture with scripture. The first person to get a tattoo was Cain. He got a mark on him. All right? When you study the verse out of Leviticus, it's called a mark. It's called a mark. All right? You already know in the book of uh, uh, book Revelation chapter 13. What's the mark? Now, one-third of the people in the United States have tattoos. Yeah. Don't think for a second. You're going to say, oh, yeah, I'll take another tattoo. I belong to the beast. <laughs> That's what's going to happen. They're being prepared and prompted for the beast. That's why we're told about the mark right? ourselves. Now, if you have a tattoo, uh, I still love you in the Lord. We won't even discuss it, Okay. You're in the Lord. Use your tattoo to win the other tattoo people, okay? <laughs> so uh, that's what I would tell you there. It's, uh, I, I, it's uh, One pastor told his son that Jesus had a tattoo on his thigh. But really look at the scripture verse, guys. It's on his vesture. He's wearing clothes. So what's on his thigh? Clothes. All right? He's not showing the leg. Uh but we'll let it go at that. All right, let's go ahead and uh, and uh, close with the word of prayer. And Johnny, you don't mind closing this out, buddy. Hey, dear Lord, uh, just thank you for all you've done for us, that you could continue to give us wisdom through your word and guide us in life. Just pray you'll bless our fellowship today and, and the following service as well, so we can learn from your word. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. amen. All right, see you guys in a bit. Get your tea.